listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Man, thank you for being here this morning. Um, how was your week? I heard Mark. Anybody else? How was your week? Okay, some of you are liars, but I'm going to let it slide. I don't know why it is, but, um, but constantly I'm amazed at how much people have going on beneath the surface in their lives. Once you break through the barrier of small talk, and, and man, for me, small talk is, is really a barrier sometimes, because um, I'm horrible at it. <laughs> but uh, but um, once you break through the barrier of small talk, and even begin to start talking even a little bit about real life, I'm confident that you would be shocked at, the, at what people around you are dealing with. And even the people that seem like they have it all together and their life figured out, like even those people have something that they're dealing with. And like looks can be deceiving and whether it's marriage problems or health problems, whether it's work or uh, kids or roommate or teacher or church or trust or authority or even God issues, everyone is dealing with something. And, and, and sometimes it can begin to feel very overwhelming because in these struggles so often we are our own worst enemy. And, and, and so, I mean, speaking of being your own worst enemy, I tried to uh, start eating low carb this week for like the 50th time this year, right? And no joke, ask Sean Tarkin if he's here. No, he's not here. But, um, and, and, and so... And you know what? I was successful for basically like a day, <laughs> a day before I fell flat on my face. Um, good thing my belly's so big because it kind of broke the fall. But um, <laughs> you know, honestly, I don't know what my problem is. Like, part of me knows that I'm a husband, right, and a father. And I have a stressful job in that if I'm going to be around to see my kids get old, like, I, I need to take care of myself. Like, I need, to, I need to lose some weight. I need to maybe walk on a treadmill every once in a while. Like, I need to bring my blood pressure down, stop carrying around so much stress. And part of me knows all that and, and feels like, yeah, that's, that's completely valid. Like, you know, those are valid reasons for, for needing to make healthy changes in my life. And so, like, I recognize the validity of those things, and I'll start to begin to to change, you know, the choices that I make. The problem is, that's just one side of me. There's another side that, to me, that just really, really, really loves Oreos, right? And ice cream, and, and donuts, right? And, and bread, oh, bread, like really good bread, you know? Oh, man, like anybody, yeah, yeah? And all of a sudden, I'm in the grocery store completely at war with myself, right? Like, 
Like, they put Oreos on the end cap for a reason, right? And it's because of people like me, right? Um, and, and I could be in the store and be doing just fine. Like, okay, I got these five things I need to get. I'm going to get in and out. And then I pass the Oreo section, and all of a sudden, I become like Smeagol and Gollum in Lord of the Rings, right? If anybody has seen that movie... Um, you know, part of me is like, oh, go, go away and never come back. Oreos, no, go away, never come back. And then, and then, and, and that works until I notice that there's a new flavor of Oreos that I've never tried before, right? And so part of me, that part of me is like, oh, oh, pumpkin, pumpkin spice Oreos? And they're only available for a limited time? My precious, you know, <laughs> Like, raise your hand if that's been you ever. Not just with Oreo. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We've been there. And, and so, if you run into me at Target and I seem a little off, it's, I may have just had an Oreo battle. So, so don't be offended. Um, and, and that's just one example of, of a battle that goes on inside of me at any given moment. Because there is a war going on inside of me, and a war that is made up of good and evil, a war over my choices to do what's right or wrong, right? Uh, My choice to bathe my digestive system in delicious Oreos or to make healthier uh, eating decisions, right? My choice to work hard even though I'm tired and I don't feel like it, and like it's night, you know, I'm supposed to be headed to bed, but I still have stuff to do. Like I have that choice, I can choose to work hard, or I can choose to watch Stranger Things for the 60th time or whatever. Like, like my choice to honor God when faced with temptation or give in to my natural sin instinct, Right? And, and these are the battles that we face, but ultimately all of us are at war with who we presently are and who we want to become, who we want to become. Some of us are, are taking ground in this war. Some of us are taking ground in this war. Others of us are just taking shelter, right? You can, you can win the battle, but no matter what you do, You can't stop the war from raging on. You can only prepare to fight, right? And at any given moment, being battle ready is the best war strategy you can have. I would venture to say that there there may be some of you here today that have a war going on in your life and you don't even recognize it. And this concept of a war within us Maybe a new idea for you, but trust me, it's not new. Christians have been dealing with the struggle since the beginning, and, and no one articulated it better than the Apostle Paul, who in Romans seven 15, I'm going to be going through a lot of scripture today, which is unlike me, so forgive me, um, but if you open your mission app on your phone, uh, all of them are laid out in the sermon notes there, and you can just click on the scripture reference, and, and it'll, it'll bring it up, but uh, the Apostle Paul uh, articulated this struggle in Romans 7.15 when he said, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. 
right? Not just the thing that's not good, the thing I hate. That's what I end up doing. And, and you can feel the tension in that statement. Does that sound familiar to anybody else besides me? And to fully understand why this war exists, you have to understand two phrases Paul uh, uses repeatedly in his writings throughout the New Testament. The first one is the flesh. The flesh. Um, the flesh is often used as a metaphor for our sinful desires and, and the desires of our body and mind that are not of God. That are not of God. And, and if it wasn't clear what that looks like already, Paul goes on in Galatians 15, 19 through 21 to list the evidence that the flesh is winning the battle within you. And it says this, and honestly, um, if this scripture stings a little, it's okay because it stings me too, honestly. And and we're all in good company, all right? So so, um, so, uh, Galatians 5.19, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Ouch. All right, everybody turn to a person near you and tell you how many of those you do wrong on the list. Okay? Just kidding. Just kidding. Don't do that. That could get awkward real fast. Um, I love that Paul ends that scripture with, and things like these. Like, I think that was a pretty thorough list, Paul. Thank you very much. Like, so, so the flesh is our sinful desire that honor our wants over what God wants for us, right? And, and, and that's what Paul is referring to when he says the flesh. The other term you need to know is the spirit, And probably, as some of you have already guessed, this term, the Spirit, is in reference to the Holy Spirit that lives within every follower of Jesus. You may have heard the term Holy Spirit as part of the Trinity, and yep, it's the same same person, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or his spookier alias, the Holy Ghost. After Jesus... Jesus' resurrection, he told the disciples that he had to leave and go to his Father in heaven, but that before they do anything evangelistic, they needed to wait on the Helper, the promise of the Father. And Jesus said in Acts 1.5, for, uh, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not many days from now. And, and before Jesus leaves them, he tells them why they need to wait. And he says this in Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and all of Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This scripture is deeply foundational to the mission our denomination carries. Uh, But in essence, the reason why the disciples needed to wait is because they will receive power. 
when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Say, say that. You will receive power. Say power. 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 All right. Sounds good. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. This power, just like the promise, comes directly from God. Because the Holy Spirit, very simply put, is the personal presence of God. Jesus told them to wait because they need God to go with them. Because it, if, if they went without, without, on their own strength, they would have failed miserably, just like you and I will. But, but God sent his spirit to live within those disciples, and within that spirit was power for God's glory. Friends, family, I'm here to tell you today that that spirit is still alive today. Do you know that? Living inside of everyone who calls Jesus Christ Lord and Savior. And again in Galatians 5, 22 through 24, Jeff didn't know that this was what I was going to preach on today. So he already read it. And so like that seems Holy Spirit orchestrated to me like... Um, Paul points out that the evidence that you will see if the Spirit is winning the battle in your life, it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And honestly, I feel like that word in verse 24, crucified, crucified, could be a little misleading. The past tense version of the word is referring to that once and for all work of, of Jesus on the cross where he took the sin that was ours and the shame that belonged to us and together they were crucified along with Christ. But the truth is, until Jesus returns, which he promised that he would do, until Jesus returns and brings us into perfect completion, I need to be daily crucifying my flesh along with all its passions and desires, under the work of Christ on the cross. Amen. Amen. And allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work in me. If you back up in Galatians a little, Paul perfectly summarizes the war, war going on between God's Spirit residing within us and the sinful desires of our human flesh. Paul says this in Galatians 5.17, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. And as I said before, Paul himself confesses openly to that uh, openly that even he, the dude who wrote most of the New Testament, has this war going on inside of him. 
In Romans 7, 17 through 19, Paul makes this very vulnerable confession again. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. And later on in verse 24 and 25, he kind of just cries out, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he, rem- then he remembers in verse 25, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul is deeply conflicted here, right? Uh, um, do his words ring true to anyone else? Yes, me too. I'm with, I'm with you. This is the war within us. A war of flesh and spirit. And I don't want to discourage you, but this war, the war isn't going to end until Jesus returns to the earth as he promised he would to claim his faithful followers. And as Jesus reclaims his throne upon the earth, the war in us will cease. And we will be made complete. But this war of the flesh and spirit will continue to rage until that happens. So, family, brothers, sisters, we have to be ready for the fight. Because if you aren't already in the midst of one, a battle is coming. And you need to be ready and resolved. I know preachers like me say stuff like that all the time, and, and, and you can be like, oh yeah, just be resolved, ready for the battle. But honestly, if I'm in your shoes, I'm like, that sounds kind of vague. You might even be asking yourself, like, what does it even look like to be ready for a battle between flesh and spirit? What does that even look like? Why do I even need to be resolved? Well, the good news is we're going to spend a lot of time talking about that in the, in the weeks ahead. Because we believe that, the, that daily, hourly, being resolved every minute of the day to allow the Spirit of God in you to conquer your desire to sin, that's the only way it's possible for our flesh to be defeated. This isn't something you can just will to happen on your own, right? You can't, you can be a good person, you can do good things, but even good people do bad things sometimes. And because this is the case, each battle is only won by being completely resolved to let the Holy Spirit work in you. And for that to happen, we need to understand why we should even try to fight against the sin in our heart. Because isn't there grace for my sin? 
Ricardo is going to be addressing the why of being resolved next week. And then the following week, we're going to talk about how being rooted in truth is essential to being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And finally, Brian Bell will be encouraging us to be prepared for the next battle by creating um, some pre-battle principles, which is perfect because he is a principle. (laughs) Right? It all comes together. I'm really excited about this series, guys, and I hope you are too. I believe this is going to be a powerful time for all of us, me included, and make it a priority to be here each week because this series is going to leave you with some very practical tools for the daily battle, and I, and I don't want anyone to miss out on that. And I want to leave you with this as the, as the worship team comes. Um, we had kind of an incident at our house yesterday. Um, Don't tell him I told you this because he would be completely mortified if if I told, if he knew that I shared this. So we got to put your hand in. Let's all make a pact. We're not going to tell. But uh, let's just say my oldest son, Dylan, is a little on the clumsy side. And God bless him. (laughs) He is always tripping over his own feet um, or knocking things over because he's not watching where he's going. I mean, no, no, seriously. Like, I went to the Grand Canyon a couple of years ago. and, And when I came back, the first thing I said to Kim was, we can never take Dylan there, ever. We can never take Dylan. because I, I'm not even kidding, because the canyon is literally like right there, like 100-foot cliff or whatever it is. I don't, I don't even know. But, and, and any guardrails they have are a complete joke. It's just like a single two-inch pipe or something, you know, like what? And... and and I was just like, we can never take Dylan there because literally he will die. And I will probably die true too, trying to stop him from dying. And, and I mean, seriously, all it would take is an awkwardly placed rock and it'd be like, goodbye, Dylan, right? And, and that's how clumsy he is. And, and so we just moved into this new house with a, with a staircase. Fancy, I know. We've lived in single level houses for a long time, so it's fancy to us. Um, but uh, yesterday, Dylan was walking down the stairs, and we're not sure what caused it, but shocker, he fell down about eight steps and, inste- and landed in a crumpled heap on the tile floor at the bottom of the stairs. And honestly, I saw it happen, and I don't know what happened. Um, but my first reaction was to see if he just kind of like popped up, because you know, the kid has a lot of experience falling, <laughs> frankly. And, and so I look over to see what's going on, what's going to happen next. And all I see is Owen, my younger son, racing down the steps frantically asking Dylan if he's okay. And all I hear from Dylan is this very faint sound of silent screaming, which if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about, probably. And, and that's like the worst sound 
a parent can hear. And if you don't know, it's when kids scream so hard that literally only a tiny faint sound can come out. And, it, and so I immediately rush over to assess the damage and he, his breathing was really labored. Like it, it, was, it was like he, he couldn't get his breath at all. And, and there was blood on the wall at the bottom of the stairs. And, and it turned out that he had just scraped off a good chunk of the skin on his elbow. And, and, uh, and he, still, he still couldn't talk because he was crying so hard. And, and, and so all I could do as his dad is just hold him right? So there we sat at the bottom of the stairs, my little boy all wrapped up in his daddy's arms and until his tears subsided and he could begin to speak again. And I helped him up and dusted him off and uh, we got a bandage for his elbow and, and assisted him to a place where he could rest until he felt well enough to charge back into life, right? And, uh, and after it was all said and done, I was reminded of all the times the Father has done that for me. All the times I had fallen so hard. All the times the Father had just lovingly sat with me holding me while I silently screamed in agony from the pain of sin. And even though I always feel like a failure in those moments, I believe He loves every minute of it. And not in a sick, sadistic way, but because I still want and need Him. The tension we hold between who we are and who we want to be or who God is making us can very easily make us feel like a failure when things go bad. And, and if we get discouraged enough, we can decide to just give up the fight. But I want you to know that every time we fall, the Father, through His Son, Jesus, is waiting with open arms to help us up, dust us off, dress our wounds, and encourage us to go again. We may lose a battle from time to time, but Jesus says in John 16.33 that in the world you will have tribulation. You'll have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world, says Jesus. The victory is already accomplished. The war is already won. We're just awaiting the homecoming parade to begin. And until that day, we have to be ready to fight our daily battles. Let's pray. Father God, first and foremost, 
I thank you that you love us with a Father's love. Or that when we fail, and even more, when we feel like a failure, God, you're there. You're there. You're weeping with us, holding us. Father, thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit that dwells within us. Thank you that we no longer have to be slaves to the law, but we're free in Jesus. Thank you that there's grace. Lord, open our eyes to the war and battles going on within us. Lord, give us wisdom and discernment over the next few weeks how we can develop our strategy and become battle ready for the next time temptation arises or sin creeps up. Have your way in us, O oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.